You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is the Pain Pod. You want to see pain? Look at these. Welcome to the Pain Pod. The podcast for all things pain management. Hosted by the pain guy, Dr. Mark Grofoli. We'll be collaborating with numerous pain management experts, talking about substance usage disorders, the latest treatment modalities, and most important, important. focusing on the pain of our patients as leading providers of pain care. And now, here's our host, a man wanted in all 50 states, a suburban city-like mountain man, without the beard, from the hills of West Virginia, and certified in weapons of mass destruction response, it's Dr. Mark Garofoli. All right, welcome back everyone to the pain pod. You know, as we always say, come one, come all to the pain pod. I, I am belated today for, for this episode, quite frankly. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, I have a feeling you, this might be one you want to even listen to twice. Uh, that being said, uh, there's a lot going on in our world. Tons of stuff, right? Polarities everywhere, information's everywhere, good, bad, and everything in between. But, uh, you know, of course, there is, of course, the drug crisis, the drug pandemic, another one of those pandemics out there. There's stuff going on all over the place. Um, you know, one of the, the, the folks I like to, to quote, I guess I'd say, would be uh, Johan Hari. I think uh, in one way he said it best. The opposite of addiction is connection. And folks, that takes us well beyond healthcare and certainly well beyond pharmacy, right? Uh, but there, you know, we're talking about real connection, not just being somebody's LinkedIn friend, uh, although please do connect on there, folks, by all means. Um, you know, the COVID pandemic put more logs on the fire of the drug pandemic overall. And if you notice, I keep saying pandemic because, yes, here in America, we have our issues. And there's issues across the globe, too. But uh, speaking of us here in the native land, uh, we've got uh, annual overdose, drug overdose deaths now went into six figures. Uh, so we've hit 100,000, which now actually uh, is similar to alcohol-related annual deaths. At same thing, about approximately, of course, 100,000. Nowhere near tobacco-related annual deaths, so that's always been half a million. That's a lot, five times that. Um, Another way I like to put it is, um, although it is tragic information, uh, a drug overdose happens for an American every six minutes. The other side of the coin is a baby is born dependent, not addicted to, but dependent to opioids every 30 minutes. Now here today, we have Sam Quinones with us, okay? I, I, I literally, I know you know the name, <laughs> but just in case, all right? Uh, let me just touch on a few things here for him, and, I, and we're going to have him tell the stories along the way, but uh, I'm sure everyone's uh, already read perhaps more than once even, Dreamland. Quite frankly, it's actually a mandatory read in many schools of medicine across our country. I know of one of them here in Wild and Wonderful West Virginia and many others. Uh, but some things that come into that and, and uh, in the show notes uh, online, feel free to check out any of the links we'll be sharing. But, you know, I'm sure you've seen the headlines, 75% of heroin utilizers begin with prescription opioids. Dun, dun, dun. But where from? 
Well, there's multiple DEA reports out there that'll tell you that it's uh, it's often on the diversion or illicit side, of course. In fact, that's usually two thirds of the time. But let's jump forward here a little bit. So, uh, you know, hello, 2020s. Uh, illicit substances are everything. And we healthcare professionals get pulled into this directly and indirectly all the time too. But uh, hundreds, literally hundreds of illicit substances, you know, with methyl groups and newbies popping up weekly. Um, here, I, I would certainly recommend people check out uh, with the folks at freece.com. There's the Substances of Abuse Specialty Pharmacist or SASP uh, certificate. Yours truly made that. So yeah, tons of bias there, right? And plug in that. But folks, seriously, there's pretty much nowhere else you're going to find information and learning, true learning on hundreds of illicit substances. But one of those places you might find, of course, is, um, well, Sam's newest book, The Least of Us. I've already read it and love it, folks. Uh, came out back in October 2021. And enough from me already. Uh, you know, for those of us who haven't read Dreamland, we're the least of us. Uh, Sam, welcome to the pain pod. And can you give us, uh, you know, some overall thoughts on, on those books, really? Thanks. Uh, thanks very much for having me, Mark. Uh, well, they were my those books were my attempt to chronicle the history, the causes uh, of, uh, you know, the, the societal uh, influences and what have you, medical influences uh, that got us to the place we are today, but starting with Dreamland, uh, as you said, is really about the opioid epidemic with the beginnings of it, where, you know, the, the revolution in pain management in the United States, where folks, uh, um, pain specialists and, and pharma companies kind of joined together to promote the idea that we needed to eradicate pain and we had the tool to do it, which was an opioid painkiller. We were just afraid to use it. And that was foolish because we now knew, science now knew that those pain pills were virtually non-addictive uh, when used to treat, uh, when, uh, when, used, when prescribed to, to, to pain patients. Um, and, and that proved not to be the case. Um, helped a lot of people actually, but it, it left behind a, a, a devastating um, uh, collateral damage. And actually, I would say, uh, I would not put it in the past tense. I believe that it's still, frankly, going on, um, although not, of course, to the degree that, degree that say, it was uh, 10 years ago or, or more. Um, but the, the overprescribing of pain pills, I think, still is a, is a problem in, in this country, as is, frankly, the, over, the, the underprescribing of them for certain people um, in, in particularly folks in, in chronic pain. Uh, we talk a little bit about that if you like. And then the least of us is really taking it into the next step, which is the underworld, the, particularly the trafficking world in Mexico stepping in and, um, and putting, you know, and, and, and providing, I would say the, 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 the massive quantities of, of um, now synthetic drugs, no plant involved, methamphetamine and fentanyl being the main, the main two. Um, and, and now covering the country with those with those drugs, but using it's safe to say the the opioid addicted consumer that that was created by our uh, very aggressive, I would say, wanton uh, uh, prescribing of opioid painkillers for many years. You know, you're hitting some nails on the head there. Obviously, you're one of the experts as far as I'm concerned and many others. But, I, you know, we're always at the extremes. You know, when talking about prescribing and dispensing by uh, corresponding responsibility, Controlled Substance Act, 1970, of course, uh, the idea that, you know, there's patients that sometimes need more and there's patients that could do with less. And why in the world are 
not a lot of us right smack dab in the middle there of just taking care of folks, taking care of our patients, of course, pharmacists, you hear me here, of course, with the things we see every day. So, so thanks for, uh, you know, going over that, you know, kind of big picture rundown of the, the books, of course, but the, you know, what's going on in society as well, too. Uh, the, the, let's flash back here. And, and we were briefly actually touched on this or earlier, of course, from just chit chatting, but let's flash back. I actually checked the date. It was May 15th, 2019. And uh, Sam, I remember you and I, we were chatting together after you spoke at an addiction conference in my hometown and in, in wild and wonderful West Virginia. Um, and I was just so happy to meet an influential person that I, you know, for lack of better wording, gets it. Uh, there we stood in a convention center full of experts and people that really truly do care yet often ends up with the, I'd co we'd call it the stinking thinking. That's what uh, Dan Schneider, the pharmacist all on Netflix, uh, put it last year when he was on the pain pod here with us. Um, you know, then it, it was a building of folks wanting to talk about buprenorphine for hours at a time. And in walked a guy that just interviewed folks at a prison regarding how the new meth was and continues to, I, I would agree with you, spread like wildfire in our country. Uh, and, you know, for, for all of us healthcare professionals, uh, present self obviously included, it's very, very hard to just stop and smell the roses and see the forest within the trees uh, when it comes to the reality of the drug crisis that, that we're all facing, including illicit opioids, prescription opioids, oftentimes diverted, and a plethora of other substances of abuse, uh, such as hallucinogens and, and dare I say, cannabis, everything. Any recommendations that you would have for our, for our audience listening here today? What what can you guide us with? Um, well, I mean, I, I'd say that it, we have a, a very serious situation on our hands, you know, because you've got um, the the quantities of of um, synthetics coming out of Mexico are just staggering largely because they they have access to world chemical markets and uh, synthetics you know don't require uh, sunlight or land or seasons you can make them all year round you know and so what we've seen now is all across this country what what the opioid epidemic has led to has been it's in my opinion um, um, this current state of affairs where these are the two most deadly and and in the case of meth mind mangling drugs um, uh, we've ever seen on our on our streets. When it comes to folks working in pharmacy, uh, I am I'm thank you for your kind words, but I would say that when it comes to pharmacy, I, I frequently am not a not the expert or not an expert. I'm I try my very very best to keep learning and understanding. I would say that one of the things that got us into this problem in the first place, which I do not believe has significantly changed, is that. Doctors still don't have access to a wide array of, of therapies that are reimbursed that, um, that would allow them to then um, deal with each individual patient as an individual human being. We got into this problem, I think, because we decided one drug for all human beings. And that on its face doesn't sound realistic. And I think in and in, in, in we're already looking back, scratching our heads, going, how on earth do we think that? But I think that that's still part of the reason we thought that is still existing. And that is that we still don't have reimbursable therapies across a, a wide spectrum for a doctor to choose all different kinds of things for her patient, right? And then maybe tinker with them. 
The, that is what left doctors all across the country because we did not have that. We were, it left doctors all across the country reliant, somewhat I would say dependent um, uh, on, on, on pain pills. Uh, because this was the only thing that really was around. And um, then you were met by patients who were insisting that that's what they needed or they had to have. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have, have heard this as, uh, or seen this in their, in their practices as, as well. So, so to me, I really think that there needs to be a, a, a further push um, um, to get insurance companies to understand their role as well, that you need to have a lot of these therapies uh, reimbursed uh, covered in, 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 in insurance, and that um, that will then lead to better outcomes and, and, I, and I think less pressure on doctors and, um, and I suspect pharmacists as well to be prescribing these pills all the time. Uh, I still think there is not the same level of prescribing going on in America of these pills as there once was, but it's still very, very high. And I still think that the excess pills that are being prescribed frequently end up on the black market. You frequently see people who are addicted to fentanyl who, who, who started their, their problems with, with opioid painkillers, with narcotic painkillers. So I still think we need some work to do. I would say, as I said earlier, that there's a there's a happy medium too though. We need to understand that there's some people who've been on these pills for a long time. It's essential to their livelihood, um, and they need and and they are not really ones to be abusing in a in a classic sense the the prescribed pills that they're 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 given. They need to be taken into account as well. I think it seems to me and uh, that but that also comes with insurance companies understanding the, the wider role that they played in all this uh, and, and providing more reimbursed uh, therapies beyond just a few things, including pain pills. Couldn't agree more, Sam. And I, I'm going to pile on to what you were saying, actually. And, you know, uh, I think I'd, I was quoting uh, Johan earlier, and I'd add in there that it's all about relationships, too. I mean, by golly, at the bare minimum, we need to have uh, the, these even non-pharmacological, non-medicines and most medications available for patients as well, too. And that, of course, comes down to insurance coverage. Uh, that's actually uh, that's a huge thing that, uh, lo and behold, uh, the uh, 2016 CDC chronic pain opioid guidelines are, of course, under revision. And there's a public comment period that's available literally right now. In fact, I'm going to include all of the information for that in our episode notes for everyone to check out. And I, I really highly recommend everybody to do so. Read through them and provide some comments, the good old USA. Uh, the CDC is going through that, and now is the time to hear our voices. So one of the big things there is actually talking about exactly what you just said. Um, good golly, if they only heard it earlier, right? Um, so that, that's a big thing. And then, you know, for us pharmacists, it's all about those relationships. And, you know, often we hear, well, you know, I only have seconds or minutes to help somebody. How do I form relationships? One at a time. That That's, you know, one at a time, we'll get there. Uh, we all got into these gigs to uh, to help people quite frankly, uh, and, and carpe diem, of course. All right. So uh, jumping back into the, the book idea here, but, um, it, you know, you had tons of conversations, of course, that you, that are certainly readily available. And I, I 
can't recommend everyone to read this even more so than I than I want to. But um, I, undoubtedly, there was some conversations you had with folks that maybe didn't even make it into the final cut or whatever uh, for the least of us. But uh, was there anything that that wasn't included that you'd like to share, or or maybe something that even that was included that you really want to highlight? A- anything that really just stands out? I would say that with the least of us, one of the things that that if that I said, but I probably even would say it even more strongly now after having um, uh, a couple of months of experience receiving emails from folks. Um, uh, and that is the whole story of methamphetamine that's come, been coming out of Mexico over the last 10 years, which has made a different way than the, Mex- than the Mexican meth used to be, which was with ephedrine. Now it's with a, a, a chemical precursor known as P2P. Um, the, the, the idea behind the book was that this, um, this method of making methamphetamine allowed the Mexican traffickers to be able to make more geometric quantities more than they'd ever been able to and and therefore as they have cover the united states so you now find meth up in up in new england um and along the way i talked to many people around the country uh recovering addicts uh homeless outreach folks um uh, uh doctors and and uh, uh er docs and so on uh on and on many many different walks of life but folks who really worked with this or were and have been involved in using um this drug and and came up with began to understand how potent it was and how damaging it had been and how this is really a major issue in both the waves of mental illness that we're seeing and that that mental illness very quickly rendered someone homeless and that that so therefore the homeless connection was also very clear to me with this methamphetamine coming out of mexico in such staggering quantities as was frankly the the tent encampments i think i made a pretty good case in the book for for that I've had some pushback on it, but that was expected, and I'm happy to answer those those points. I'll be probably answering those points at a later date. But I, I would say now, since the book came out, I have received so many emails and so many like uh, just uh, Facebook uh, messages and and different things like that of people who are who are explaining their what they've seen a uh, very up close and personal in their lives uh just recently spoke with a with a with an addict in in in, in michigan who was telling me um how he was clear the meth, the methamphetamine changed uh when he used it one time after many years of using it all of a sudden he instantly went into psychosis and he really has just always gone into psychosis every time he's used that um, so I think I might even have laid on more uh, of the, the personal um, and, and uh, expert uh, uh, experiences that of, of folks who were in the trenches working with us, ER docs, homeless outreach folks, folks who go into those tent encampments and so on. All of that seems to me now to be even, uh, I was convinced of it, but I, I have to say, I'm, I'm like, it's so solid now that story, it seems to me that 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 anybody who 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 kind of uh, uh, denies it, or as I've had a few folks deny it, just simply aren't close enough to it, it, it seems to me. So I, I think that though that that would be one area where I might even add, in fact, for the for the for the paperback, I might very well add more um uh of uh, uh, reporting on 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 that story well good golly now i'm gonna have to get the paperback too 
It's all good. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, Thanks, so lots, lots of, lots of talk here on, on, of course, uh, meth and the new meth and, you know, bigger picture stimulants, of course. And, uh, you know, I've got one in my hand right now, you know, caffeine, caffeine, even a cup of Joe, it, it can, ironically, it, it can help with various painful situations. And, uh, so many folks are buying and utilizing these street stimulants, you know, whether meth, Coke, whatever, uh, sometimes without even knowing it's being added or laced in there, uh, yeah, perhaps yeah. even completely substituted for heroin, fentanyl, whatever. And, and I, you know, stimulant abuse and addiction is just rampant. Uh, and there are multiple medications in the pipeline, pun intended, for stimulant use disorder or stimulant addiction, but they're years away. Um, however, you know, here we here we are. You know, currently we have medication options for opioid addiction. They're, they're FDA approved as part of the treatment plan, yeah. not the sole tool, but part of it. And here we are. Um, so here, just want your point of view. Are we in the eye of the storm as far as the drug pandemic, drug yes, crisis? Yes, I would, I would say that's probably an apt description of where we are right now. I think it, it, it crept up on us fairly uh, abruptly because we were paying attention to COVID, which was as it should be. It's a worldwide pandemic. Right, us. right. But... I would say that that is now, yeah, the where we are. I mean, it's it, the 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 reason for that is just the 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 nature of synthetic drugs. You can make them all year round if you have enough chemicals to do so, and they do down in Mexico through these through these ports that are down there. And so, what you have is you have people coming um, out of you know all kinds of these drugs coming out of nowhere and reaching people all across the country. It's really only has a parallel it's it's unprecedented in in the history of drug abuse in america with one exception and that is the 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 opioid painkiller the prescription painkiller uh example that because so many folks uh doctors all across the country were were prescribing those pills they reached virtually every region every town every county of of the country the underworld has been able to achieve the same thing except that they're illegal and they're making illegal substances and they're crossing a border illegally with it, et cetera, et cetera. And so, but they have been able to do that with fentanyl and two drugs, not just one, two drugs, fentanyl and methamphetamine. And that is uh, what makes this such a, a remarkable thing. Now, and they did that, the great, one of the great tragedies of COVID, I think, is that it takes place just as the Mexican trafficking world is achieving what I just described, which is coverage of the entire country. So now people have to isolate. Well, this is uh, the, the absolutely the wrong thing for for uh, for addicts, but it's also the, the right thing if you want to avoid, you know, uh, the pandemic just uh, destroying uh, large parts of the country. And so they are left alone. Uh, the drugs now, when they when they relapse and when they use, are now uh, the most potent they've ever seen, the cheapest, the most available uh, they've ever ever seen, and that and so th hence you get the the um, the amounts of uh, the, the the numbers of overdose deaths. It, it's um, just it's it's like the dual demic overall. I mean, <laughs> like everything going on together there. There, you know, yeah. there's a lot going on. Um, I'm one of those firm believers on, you know, if there was an answer to all of this, we probably would have already found it. Uh, probably uh, right. facetious there on the idea of an answer, but 
I, you know, what would you say? Though? How, how do we get ourselves out of this? Can we get ourselves out of this? In, in other words, are there solutions? Well, I, I, there are solutions. I think one of the things that, that really is important in all this um, is that we come to understand that we have within us, though, the most potent of all forces, and that is that our brains evolved to need, not just to find nice, but to need um, uh, community, right? It, we need that. That's how, that is why we are the most, well, one of the, certainly one of the most important reasons why we are the most prevalent mammal on the face of, of the earth, uh, human beings are, that why we survived at all was because we figured out that we were better together. We were, we worked better together. We, the, any, anybody, if, if, you know, in, in isolation, we die quicker. And that's, and that's true of the cavemen. And it's as true of, of, of our modern uh, American today, you know? Um, and I think what's, what happened is and, uh, to, to, to kind of answer the question without going off into deep darn down very deep rabbit holes is that we as a culture, as an, as Americans decided that we didn't need that. In the last 40 years, we've kind of said, well, we don't really need other people. We're better on our own. It's, tough it's messy it's unpleasant we don't like other people they they don't vote like we do whatever on and on and on right and and to me that yep. felt like the culture was that became that we're better on our own and don't bug me with the needs of other people and the towns that lost all those jobs well they're on their own and because we're doing okay over here um if there we we adopted this attitude as a culture i think that we don't need, to, and this, the problem is that this is one of the most important things that has allowed humankind to survive through mil millions of years of evolution is this idea that we need each other. We have to have each other. And in America, the last 40 years, we decided we didn't. The same way we decided, you know, the old rules don't apply to us. The same way we decided the old rules don't apply to us when it comes from to opium and 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 painkillers derived from opium, we can still we we know five thousand years of experience with that with that plant. We know it produces um, a magnificent painkiller that is number two very addictive. And we decided that only one of those were true. You know that the the, the addictive part was was passe. It was it's almost like you know kind of we've we've gotten to this mindset where where we think old rules don't apply to us because we're americans or something like that i'm not quite sure quite sure but in this I hear case, you. it seems to it, me it, that that's what's going on yeah it's you know something you just said there <laughs> better together um you know if you're looking for a, a third book title someday <laughs> i think you're on it man <laughs> it's maybe uh, that's but, but, the next one no seriously mark i think that's that i mean really that's that's kind of um uh, I think that that could be it, you know, that, that they, you've, th this idea that, that nothing gets solved until we understand that that's the fundamental way we have to react and find ways to, to react, to, to, to build that. And that is why, in fact, that with the least of us, I, I started um, from the idea of um, half of this book is going to be about stories um, of people repairing community in the smallest, most unnoticed ways. Most of the, the attention to the least of us has been about the stuff about synthetic drugs and fentanyl and methamphetamine. And every radio interview seems to be, you know, like 80% of that. And, and the other stuff is like not that important. Um, my feeling is, I'm glad you brought it up because my feeling is 
that that the the stories that I'm trying to tell of people doing what I think is a very healthy thing and needs to be noticed and needs to be replicated in some ways is is really the heart and soul of the book. It's half the book because I felt we have all these forces arrayed against us, trafficking and all this legal addictive stuff and all that, and we've got this. What's our defense? Well, I think we have it within us. It's this idea that we're better together, that we're we're only as 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 strong as the most vulnerable in our communities or in our families or in our churches or in our what businesses or what have you. And we're only as strong as as the least of us. And that that attitude is I try to express in these stories that I wrote in the in in the book, um, and that I think are just crucial, fundamental to all this. So the, the question of what are the solutions, that's an enormous question. But the answer, I think, when it when it comes down to it, it, it is is always based on the answers are always based on the idea that that we need to get away from this idea that we we think we're better, we can function alone because it seems like we can because you know, this society is built that way, it seems to me now, but really we can't, you know, so. It's just not how we roll. It, it, it's, no, you know, I and, agree. and our society, you know, it's 2022. Our, our society is beyond polarized in many facets, but I, you know, you had the, the guts to derive uh, your, your title here and, and bestseller, quite frankly, from the Bible. Um, I believe it was actually Matthew 25, 40 to 45, specifically for those wondering. I, you know, regardless of one's religious views, though, I'm sure everyone would love to know, uh, you know, how'd you come about that idea? Well, I, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, I um, am not a Christian. However, as you write about this more and more, you come to understand that um, people move out of addiction in many ways, but a fundamental, a very, very important way uh, is through their own faith. And and I think it's be presumptuous of me to say, well, I'm not going to recognize that because I don't believe like they do. That's nonsense. And so um, as this book got going, I really, the least of us really didn't have much of a roadmap. You know, so I was trying to figure out what was I going to write. And so I began to read widely. It's very important as a journalist. If you're going to do this, you got to read widely. I had read the Bible or the, the Gospels. Um, I reread them. And obviously the one, the, the, the book of Matthew struck me very, in, in a very important way. And, and it became almost, that became kind of like the guidepost of the book. Uh, again, even though I'm not a Christian, I, I, I can still be um, uh, uh, humbled by the the profundity of the of of what Jesus is talking about, particularly in that, and I think in Luke as well. Um, so so it, it just became this idea, and th- and that's where the title of the book came from. Precisely there, it came from Book of Matthew. Why? Because it seemed to me that that when we come to an understanding of the importance of recognizing, uh, helping those who need some help, you know. Uh, requiring accountability, abs- absolutely, um, both need to be in place. Um, when when you do that, you you um, you begin to repair the connections that we've shredded. You begin to feel like you're not, we're not alone in all this, and and that's when solutions begin to present themselves that may not otherwise. And so that is really kind of where where all the where the title came from, and and. Um, and how I, a non-Christian, it would come to make use of the Bible as, as certainly a guide for the book. What an incredible situation. And, and I mean, like in the actual true meaning of incredible, uh, boy, if we all, 
me too can do just that my goodness all right two two more quick ones here for you sam uh, these are sure. ones i ask everybody so um, what's your favorite pain medication and why what's my favorite pain medication <laughs> um well i will tell you i've been given on on a couple of occasions opioids i was given uh uh just for for excruciating back pain um, I was given opioids and uh, they worked very well. I would tell you this too. I was given fentanyl um, uh, when I had my a heart attack five years ago. And hey, let's just say fentanyl um, okay. because, you know, it revolutionized anesthesia. It made everything easier. Um, it made our lives better because of that. And just because um, the underworld has figured out how to use this uh, um, nefariously does not mean that this very, very profoundly uh, 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 important drug is does not um, have a have a have a role and, and and should not have a role. It's it's been a magnificent a boon to a lot of a lot of people. I, I'd say many of your listeners may have already had fentanyl in their in their in their lives. And uh, in, in, in some medical way, so I think I, I'll just say fentanyl because used the right way, it's a fantastic revolutionary drug. righty. and and hey, if if somebody's been in a hospital on a gurney, you know, not the gift shop or the coffee shop, you've probably had fentanyl from some exactly. way, shape, form, or fashion. So, Precisely. all right. Last but not least, um, how do you define pain? Since it sounds like you've been in it before, so how do you define pain? <laughs> yeah, well, physical pain. I would define as your body, as my body, um, uh, screaming for a correction in a sense. Um, and I think that's, that's, it's letting me know that something is, is wrong. And it's because I began to think of that, uh, that way, that during the Dreamland book, I began to correct a lot of uh, things that I used to do, for example, particularly in what I consumed. Um, I stopped um, uh, eating lots of junk food, definitely stopped eating, uh, drinking uh, sodas. I never much of an alcohol drinker, so that wasn't a problem. But uh, I stopped drinking sodas. I began exercising more, certainly after the heart attack, too. All of that was, was a, it's like the pain is like the opioid epidemic, right? It's a symptom. It's, it's calling on us to understand that we have been living contrary to the way that we evolved and the way that makes us most fulfilled. And pain is the same thing. You are living wrong in a sense, not for everybody. There's a lot of ex exceptions, but generally speaking, that's how I feel about it. that. In my own case, I'm working out more. I'm walking a lot, swimming. Um, I'm eating much better, uh, eating less, eating more plants, less meat. Um, Occasionally a nice whiskey because that's supposed to stop cancer. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it, the idea being that, that pain is, is, is what is, uh, you know, letting us know that we need to change something about how we're living. And that's what the opioid epidemic absolutely is doing uh, culturally as a society now. Um, but, um, but that's how I def define pain. That's something that's a lot letting me know time to reassess and take accountability for your own wellness. And that's uh, uh, an essential element of, of all this, I think. 
That's a big time definition right there. Folks, <laughs> can you tell why this guy writes books and we all read them? There we go. <laughs> that, that was that was deep, man. Um, <laughs> simplicity in complex in yeah, complex yeah. things. All right. Well, uh, Sam, I, I just I really want to thank you for your time here. It's the most valuable resource we have. Uh, incredible to have you here on the Pain Pod. Uh, by all means, keep in touch. And uh, I'll, I'll have all this information available for everybody in our episode notes, of course. Check it out. Um, and, you know, I got to tell everybody, uh, join us uh, for our next episode here on the Pain Pod when we discuss thug drugs. We're going to take this conversation with Sam Canone as a, a step or 12 deeper and review stimulants such as amphetamines, caffeine, cocaine, and of course, you guessed it, meth, old school and new school. So join us next time on the Pain Pod. If you'd like to join Mark on the Pain Pod, send us an email to publisher at pharmacypodcast.com. And make sure to share the show and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. Thanks for listening.